Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined by the man from the day after tomorrow. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I feel like the guy who wants to sleep tonight. And our very own eight-legged freak. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. <laughs> Eric, how you doing? Uh, you know, like a true disaster, uh, AJ Green being uh, traded to a Super Bowl contender one year before his former team goes to the Super Bowl. I am ready. Okay, so we got our 10 out of 10. We all said that our favorite team, the most fun team, the team that we uh, were enjoy, would enjoy the most if they won the Super Bowl is now in the Super Bowl. But it doesn't feel as good as it could because it is a mighty good matchup for probably one of the teams we least wanted to see win the Super Bowl. So just emotionally, Eric, just emotionally, where are you at in this this matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. Riding as high as I can. And that means there's an asterisk there because I <laughs> well going back a week, what do you what do you have? You have either a Chiefs Rams Super Bowl, which is like I don't care, Chiefs 49ers, which is like, well, at least I could see the Chiefs clobber the 49ers, but I don't want to see either the Rams or the 49ers in a Super Bowl. I was kind of pulling for 49ers Bengals and uh, a repeat of like what the 85 Super Bowl. Um, but again, like could, could the NFC teams just be in a perpetual tie and the game's still going? That's the NFC turned into a, turned into a lose, lose. I think the only team that I would have found like tolerable, like other than of course the Eagles, who I would have been happy about was Tampa Bay. And then the other teams I just didn't, I dislike, I'm varying degrees of dislike all of them. And even Tampa Bay, I'm just like kind of neutral on because they won last year. So it's like not. It's not that big a deal. They already won. Like going back to back doesn't make I, that doesn't matter to them. You know, it's just like oh cool. Now they're really good as opposed to really good still. You know, it's like not not that big a deal to me. So uh, yeah, I um I'm yeah. It's it's a nightmare to have the the Rams in the in the. But I do in the Super Bowl. I do think the Bengals of, have a chance, and that's exciting. Yeah. What Eric, Kevin? How do you feel? What are you feeling? Right uh, now? I would just like to point out that um, my dream scenario is still open which is the uh, Rams managed to lose the Super Bowl at home the exact same way that they lost the Super Bowl with Goff and just did a very expensive, very long prolonging of the same inevitable. So yeah. uh, that that's that's pretty much what I have to root for still. Like, I'm, I'm really glad the Bengals made it, and I just <laughs> now have to hope that uh, the Rams pull the level of choke job that I know is within them. Yeah, they almost they tried to choke it away last week, but they just couldn't. White finished the job. Well, actually, Jaquiski Tart couldn't finish the job. So here's it, the thing. Stafford wanted to choke it away, but Jimmy Goldjackets, the Hall of Fame choke artist himself, beat him to the punch. Yeah, it's it was that was He's the rough. choke goat. That was like it was hard to like the way that that ball just hit hit Tart in the chest. I'm like, there's no way this guy is. He's feeling so bad right now. He's so unhappy. This is the. It's you like know that's the, why they say some guys play defensive back instead of wide receiver. Oh okay, let's talk about the, let's talk about the two games. There was not not a whole lot of Seahawks specific news this week. Um, what about I mean, all our we got, Pro Bowl accomplishments? Yeah, man. sure. Like a lot of guys made the Pro Bowl. Uh, like you know, Russ made it as like the sixth choice quarterback. So that's that's why the Pro Bowl doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Wait, does that say more about the Pro Bowl, or does that say more about the level of NFC quarterbacking? I mean, think about how many guys passed though to get to Russ. Uh, uh, it's three. 
he's the sixth. Wait, the three make it in each conference? I, I believe, thought it was only I believe two. three yeah. make it. Right? Yeah, three. Oh, great. So three guys <laughs> passed. That's Tom Brady. Uh, he gets it. Aaron Royers. And Dak. Dak, right? And Dak, Dak passed and, and passed Dak. the rest. Why did Dak? Why did Dak get it there? So now, uh, so no, now Brady Ra- passed to uh, Russ, and Rodgers passed to Kirk Cousins. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting so much better. <laughs> yeah, and Aaron, uh, and then Kyler Murray made it, right? Yep. Kyler Murray's just stayed. Dwayne Brown a, made it. He is the pro. Yeah, Dwayne Brown is in as an alternate. Mm-hmm. Yep. He. He was fine. He was solid this year. I mean, it's a reputation award, so I'm not surprised his reputation got him there when he didn't like, he wasn't like bad this year. Um, I'm just glad Quandre got it. Quandre made it. Quandre deserved it. I agree with that. Um, Bobby made it. Bobby had a lot of tackles and then he, I would, I don't know. I, we gave up a lot of uh, passes in the middle of the field this year because of scheme. So I just want to say I'm glad, JT they, I'm, Gray, glad they didn't, I'm glad they didn't blame him for Ken Norton Jr.'s failings. <laughs> right. I just want to say JT Gray, um, you know, I respect your game, but we all know you're a fraud because there's only one true uh special teamer that should be on here for the Pro Bowl. What how did you feel about them putting Micah Parsons as the Pro Bowl inside linebacker? Uh it's you, not less of a fraud than anything else. That is such a fraud, dude. He, how many snaps do you think Micah Parsons played at inside linebacker this year? That that it cannot be. I'll set the over be, under at twenty five. But he had sacks and he what was exciting and over under, guys. Well, that's the thing. Like he had sacks over. because he played outside linebacker most so you're of the season. Over twenty five. What are you taking, Nate? I I would I gotta think it's over that, but I, I I'm gonna guess it's less than half of his snaps. I, I'm gonna guess he took most of them on the outside. Exactly right? what Nathan said. Yeah, it's got snaps. Be, it's the outside, and sometimes he sometimes he'd be so outside. I had him on my fantasy team, so I watched these. Games. Uh, he played he played three ninety on the on the defense. Here, let's go defensive players. Three ninety on the defensive line. There you go. He played inside linebacker on about three hundred and fifty snaps. <laughs> And then he played another 175 at right. They're calling it like the Mike, the Mike backer. So he played, yeah, he played with some enough middle linebacker. I think I'm just being a whiner, but but he's like I a don't know, This feels he's a little a, bit like uh, Raphael Palmero getting the first base he's over Slugger. He's he's not he's not he's like oh he does not fit traditional like. Is he an inside linebacker and then Chandler Jones is an outside linebacker? Chandler Jones is a defensive end. You know, it's like, I don't know. These these positions don't make any sense. They and just have a pool of players and they, they really need to put need, them in positions. They really need to, like, separate these out. Like, edge, interior defensive lineman, linebacker. You know, like the, like the real positions go. Because Chandler Jones and Robert Quinn being put in as the linebackers is... Um, fraudulent it's just and another thing too okay let's talk about these awards okay let's talk about the awards in general why is the defensive player of the year award now just like guy who gets the most sacks award because people when, are lazy and it's hard to um it's hard to quantify how good a cornerback is anymore like ever since Dion and charles woodson like those guys those are the last guys to win those awards and i think and uh, Look at how good Richard Sherman was, but he didn't have any pass breakups or interceptions because people were afraid to throw to him. So they would they would not give him that award when clearly, like uh, what the 2000, 2015, I think it was, that was uh, 
that's that's crazy. I mean, Aaron Rodgers literally did not throw to that side of the field except for once, and it was like way sailed over the receiver's head. See, because I think you can make a legitimate argument that Fred Warner is the most impactful slash best defensive player in football because he like makes the rest of San Francisco's defense work because their secondary players, Kevin, you'd agree with this, are bad, right? Oh uh, yeah. And yeah. so because Jimmy because Fred secondary player, just know that. And, and he's and because Fred Warner is super good, they all can like kind of slack a little bit. And then Fred Warner doesn't even make the Pro Bowl. It's because like most rep- beat reporters or people who are voting on this or like normal people watching football, like they don't understand how coverage works. Coverage is very complicated. Right. And I mean, even I'll admit, like sometimes I don't totally understand it. And I watch a lot of football and coach football. And, and so I, I got, you got to say like though, that's like why I, I say Bobby Wagner is not getting blamed for Ken Norton Jr.'s feelings because like that's scheme, right? A lot of coverage is scheme. It's not just the guy, but Fred Warner covers so much of the middle of the field. He runs like a four, four forty at 275 pounds. I mean, at the story always you hear about Fred Warner is he used to be a wide receiver, right? And he runs like a wide receiver still, even though he gained 30 extra pounds. And so, yeah, I, I think like that guy's not even in the Pro Bowl because these awards don't mean anything. Yep. <laughs> these, honors, these honors are functionally worthless, but I'm happy for the guys. I, I hope, hope that they all pro that, that actually does kind all, of get some real look. Where All pro is is tougher. But then, you know, of course, you got guys like did uh, did Teron Diggs end up getting an all pro? Uh, have all pros been announced? Mm. Not uh, yet. I I don't I, I don't think I'm not sure. No, they have not. So if Trevon Diggs gets an All Pro, that's fraudulent too, though, because Jalen Ramsey is a thousand times better than than him. And I don't know, like Xavier Howard, J.C. Jackson, like there's a bunch of guys who are better than than Trevon. There's like 15 cornerbacks better than Trevon Diggs. Hey, Stephon Gilmore got in the Pro Bowl. Like, what? Why am I even still talking about this? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> got, got I was wondering tangent. where are they are. Got they playing ta- the Pro got Bowl? Got me tangent. Is there an actual on the Pro game? Bowl. Yeah, it's. I think it's in Vegas. Oh boy, it's in Vegas on February sixth. So, uh, get out your get out your checkbooks, boys. Let's go. Let's go gambling at the two thousand twenty two uh, Pro Bowl. We're Is headed there, to the Muggle are, Shoot. Ooh, are they doing of it? NFL news. Kevin, Oh yeah. Do, do you do you know? Are they doing any of the like janky like um, Pro Bowl like skills competition any of that stuff? No, or, I don't know. I uh, I can't bring myself to look into the. Pro I think Bowl they anymore. they left that in Hawaii. That's the that's the best. That's the most fun part of it, the whole it, thing. Honestly, it's what the whole thing should be. If the if they canceled right. the game and just made it like a bunch of awesomely stupid skills competitions. Okay, so um, they're gonna do these are the competitions this year. You ready? Precision I love passing the relay race that, one that pairs quarterbacks and wide receivers together. A thread the needle challenge, which tasks QBs to hit targets against the opposing league's best defensive backs. I don't know how that's going to work. The best catch competition, the new thing this season, will take two wide receivers from each league and have them face off in a battle of creativity and talent. It's a slam dunk competition for catching. <laughs> that's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> I cannot wait for that. <laughs> What a what a someone's gonna jump! I can't wait for someone to jump over IKEA Sedona and and then uh, catch the ball. <laughs> it's gonna be great. I can't uh, wait for somebody to mid catch pull a sharpie out of their sock and sign the football. Ooh, I like this one, Kevin. Fastest man by. competition, fastest man competition, forty yard dash, where skill players from each league will compete against players from their same position. Please let there be like a defensive end section or like a defensive tackle section. Do offensive tackle. Um, Pro Bowl dodgeballs back, which is cool. All right, that's that good. always that's not pretty fun. Um, Russ is good at that because he throws good and he's small. Yep. 
So, yeah. <laughs> so Kyler's uh, okay. going to be pretty good at that, too. At least there's something fun to do this weekend in uh, football. The, the one I always liked was um, they did a few years back where it was the relay race, where, uh, but it was like, um, there was like a quarterback throwing competition and a catching competition and stuff that were part of the relay. So there'd be like three dudes teamed up and you had to like run obstacles and do football tasks. That one was pretty fun. Yeah, so the the the, the thing is QBs versus DBs. This Basically, the more it looks like uh, American Gladiator, the the more I'm in. Okay, so fastest man is going to be wide receivers, running backs, and defensive backs. Yeah, so it's all okay. all speed positions. So that'll be a little less fun. Quandre might be in it though. That'll be cool. Um, and then of course Russell. Quandre might be, and I don't think Quandre is going to make it unless they're wheeling him out there. Oh yeah, I forgot. That seems like an unfair advantage. He's not in the Pro mm. Bowl. I was like, I was like, Ponder's <laughs> in the Pro Bowl though. But but you're right. He's he's not in the Pro Bowl. He's just in the Pro Bowl. He's gonna be there uh, in a rat one with rascal scooter. They'll have him come in. They'll have him come in for they'll have come in for dodgeball. And he'll be like the guy. He'll be like the guy in the wheelchair from dodgeball. <laughs> just throwing wrenches at you guys people. are terrible. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Quandre would love this idea. He would he'd be like, I'm game. I'll throw wrenches at people. <laughs> so okay. Um now that now that uh now that we've got that thoroughly out of the way, uh the big other big we're gonna uh talk about the the Bengals versus in, in detail in a minute. But first the other big news, Tom Brady's gone. This time it's for real. Do you think that first story he denied it just to make she- Schefter look bad? Yes, like he just 100%. Want, he was like he was like, oh, this is the guy that buried me for Deflategate. Screw this guy. I was a little surprised he didn't come back just to just to shove it to Schefter's face. Cause they, they just play one more season just to say F you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know where you guys get this. I'm playing one more season. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty, rid- pretty ridiculous, uh, that whole thing. But uh, my favorite, what's your favorite Tom Brady memory? Mine has to be when uh, Sherman said you mad, bro, and ran <laughs> to the middle of the field. Uh, it's my favorite Tom Brady memory. Rest, rest in peace, Tom Brady. Have a good rest of your life. My your favorite were the two times he plants. lost the Super Bowl to Eli Manning's face. <laughs> that yes, was pretty funny. That's it. The, those, you those see three. the giant. So many people posted like a petty Tom Brady tweet today. Like the Giants were like the Giants, not the Giants themselves, but I think like the New York Post or something posted. Uh, Tom Brady is retiring quarterback who lost to New York Giants in two Super Bowls or something like that. That's the kind of petty I like most, though. Like, that's harmlessly petty. I enjoy it. This is silly. And then, uh, okay, so now that Tom Brady's gone, officially, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos, the state of quarterback play in the NFC is, is pretty bad. Like, Think about the quarterbacks in the NFC South will be like, you know, it'll be like Taysom Hill for the Saints. Well, Matt Ryan will have Kyle we'll have Trask. Kyle Trask rolling out there for New England or for first start Tampa name. Bay. And <laughs> the have, Dalton. Well, yeah, whoever they get for the Panthers. I, I can't imagine they'll have Darnold. Hey, man, uh, it's it's the Dar it's the Darnold until they say otherwise. So I went Darnold, with the Dalton. Maybe it, maybe the that Darnold was a maybe that was a slip. They're gonna end up with Dalton He's, there. No, that the it's because it's because it's because Sam Darnold when he throws the ball rakes the moon, dude. It's moon raker. <laughs> okay, 
<laughs> so, yeah, the state of quarterback in the NFC. Timothy Dalton, you know, way to stay relevant to modern pop culture. <laughs> was, was Moonraker was Moonraker even a Timothy Dalton I, movie? I I, I hope it was. was. No, it's it Roger was. Moore. That's Roger Moore. It's Roger Moore. Dang it! Yeah, somewhere Roger Moore is going. Come on, give me one. <laughs> well, you couldn't. It couldn't be a Timothy Dalton movie because you had to have a bunch of time with him sitting on the couch thinking of how he was going to beat the bad guys. And it no, also wasn't on slightly more violent than other ones. True. Wasn't there only like two Timothy Dalton Bond uh, two movies? or three? License yeah. to Kill, License, License to, to Kill, kill Living Daylights. Daylights. I think that's. I feel like that's and it. And then Pierce Brosnan. Hello. Who? Pierce Brosnan was the next one after that. I, Man, oh, weird. Oh, okay. you mean Remington Steel? Yes. Sorry. Yeah, I remember when Remington. Sorry, I used Steel to, I used his fake name. Okay. <laughs> we're so we're so off the rails. We're so far from my show notes that it's it is unbelievable. Yeah, Remington uh, stealing your show notes? <laughs> no, I don't. That's, I know you. Yeah, that's know, the I problem. Know. That was okay. for Kevin. I, I, I have that no is a problem. You should have had Remington no, stealing your show notes. And here's the thing: I have like no feasible way to transition into the next thing in my show notes. Like it is literally impossible. Like there's there's like nothing that can bridge like this conversation to Brian Flores suing the NFL. Like what, what could I possibly have said? That you know, would... speaking of uh, speaking of eccentric millionaires, did you hear what's going on in the NFL recently? Oh, um, it turns out that there's a, a controversy because, um, while attempting to invest in a gambling platform, the uh, Dolphins owner is being accused of offering to pay their head coach to lose. No yeah, okay, of so, interest there. So many things in this Brian Flores lawsuit. Oh so man, this is ugly. He, it's so not good. He, so Brian Flores is suing. Um, the big thing, the biggest part is that Bill Belichick accidentally tweeted him congratulations for the Giants <laughs> that's the job. Worst, that's that, the saddest part of this. That so, he, had, he had not actually interviewed for the job yet. And then he was like, yes. and then of course Brian Flores is like, what are you talking about? And then he's like, oh, uh, actually, I meant to send this to well, wait, wait. You have to guy, Brian Dable. You know, you read this. In, you read the whole thing in a Bill Belichick voice, where he's like, "Hey, congratulations! <laughs> I feel like uh, I heard this that you're their guy. Congrats! Hey, uh, who's this meant for me? I'm sorry, it wasn't for you." <laughs> yeah, I said, no, sorry. He said, I think he said, "Sorry, everyone F- named Brian under just Brian uh, in his phone." So yeah. he's scrolling sorry, through his I phone. It's like this up. Sorry, you're the third Brian down, and I thought I was supposed to go to the third Brian. It's the fourth Brian down is Dable. Oh Oops. man, Oops. yeah, I, yeah. I, so I sincerely apologize. Uh, this said, is the last time I let my dog send my text. Yeah, he said I misread the text. It's actually Brian Dable, but he hadn't actually interviewed for the job yet. So it's a pretty strong evidence, you know, that the Giants were not seriously interviewing Brian Flores. They were just trying to fulfill the. Uh, what the haven't role. these teams um, learned? Like, if Brian, you're gonna do that, Bri- interview the other guy first. Jeez. Brian Flores is going to take a dub in this lawsuit. <laughs> like, there's just no doubt in my mind. The other crazy thing from this lawsuit is what Kevin said before. Stephen Ross offered Brian Flores a hundred thousand dollars for every game he lost to try to tank. To get purportedly get Joe Burrow right, and I I guess in the end, Stephen Ross was right. They should have lost more because I mean Joe Burrow is significantly better than Tua Tunga Bailoa. <laughs> so I guess Stephen Ross had the right idea. But is that man, is that why Flores is going to lose the lawsuit? No, I I don't think Flores is going to lose in the lawsuit at all. I think he's going to take a huge dub here because they did not follow the the terms of the Rooney Rule. They did not follow. Their I just own wonder if he's going to be practice. able to get another job in the NFL. Yeah, and the thing yeah. is, it it would be just like them to freeze him out over this, 
but it would be such a public freezing out over such a public lawsuit. It'd be hard for them to claim that it's not like a conspiracy. Well, so, I think they they know that. That's probably why they will. I'm sorry, Flores knows that, so he is looking for a payday. I was and I'm really sorry, hoping Nathan, I heard that. You say, uh, <clears throat> I have a feeling Flores is going to Las Vegas with with uh, with Josh McDaniels, and so like the plan right here is for him to pocket an extra like ten million dollars on his way over. And then he could still get a head coaching job in two years. I mean, it's not going to stop him. And if he isn't going to go to Vegas to be McDaniel's DC, then he could just take a year off and have ten million dollars from this lawsuit. You know what I mean? Like, I'd also like to say I'm proud of Eric. I was expecting him at some point to say, you know, I didn't think Tom Flores was that good of a coach for the Seahawks. And uh, I can't, I can't bring up uh, ex Raiders coaches, Kevin. I'm, it's beneath <laughs> me. I mean, we all, we all see it. There. They pro- there's a problem in the NFL with uh, with the, the way that they hire and uh, fire coaches. Yeah, and it's it's not. It was nice to see Byron Leftwich work his way up the coaching ladder very quickly, and we need to see more of that and less of what is happening to Brian Flores right now, because he is getting he is getting hosed like from all directions. Um, it's it's super brutal, and like I I understand that Flores the way he left. The Dolphins, you know, in a power struggle trying to get Deshaun Watson to be his quarterback was not ideal, but. But it sounds like he was kind of being hamstrung, and I think anyone who looks at it will say that uh, it. The Dolphins won more games than anyone thought they were going to win the previous two seasons, and this season was a bit of a letdown, but it's hard to blame that on Flores' coaching job. I agree. Yeah, the Flores did a good job. I thought he did a good job in, in Dolphins, and yeah, the, he did put the team in a position where they were going to have to choose between him and Tua, and it's a lot easier to get rid of Brian Flores than it is probably to get rid of Tua, at least for anything that they would want back for Tua. So, um, I don't know. I don't think like the his firing is insane like some people do, but I do think that he very quickly should have been finding himself another head coaching gig, maybe where he fits a little better, where with a different ownership group or whatever. Too bad but, in alphabetical order, he's just the wrong Brian. Brian, exactly. Well, I, I don't even understand that because Brian D, Brian Dable, I don't know. But I guess, yeah, but yeah you're the, probably right. Flores. Yeah, so that should be second one down. Right. I don't know. They only went one Brian D. <sighs> it's too bad. <laughs> just too bad. Um, all right, the coaching carousel is spinning out of control, though. McDaniels is in Vegas. We've got uh, the Nathaniel uh, Hackett going to Denver. Uh, this is this has been an interesting offseason from that perspective, and I do think that the quarterback carousel could get pretty crazy this offseason because Cousins and both Cousins and uh, Garoppolo could be moving. There's a hole in Tampa Bay with a competitive roster other than uh, the quarterback that's missing. So you know if they could be the team that trades for maybe Jimmy G or or Kirk Cousins and give it another run. Like there's just a lot of interesting landing spots. I think we could see you know upwards of 10 fresh quarterbacks or at least fresh spots for quarterbacks next year, which would be pretty, pretty insane. Did you hear so, the other rumor around um, Minnesota? Of, of uh, the coach? Kevin? Yeah, the coach. Yeah, I'm not Apparently really. Uh, the Harbaugh landing spot. Oh, yeah, it's, it's Harbaugh. Yeah, it's going to be Harbaugh. I'm yeah. a little disappointed because I don't know. I think Harbaugh is a good enough coach where he will he will help a team rise and I don't want Minnesota to rise. And I feel like they're close enough where they could get, they can get dangerous fast and they're already dangerous. They can get legitimate rather. Quickly. And they, and the Vikings did, did interview both Rams coordinators, uh, Raheem Morris and Kevin O'Connell. 
they're going to interview Patrick Graham again. I think I personally think that if Jim Harbaugh wants the job, they should give it to him. He was very successful in his first run as an NFL coach, only left because of friction between him and his his uh, front office. And if they're willing to give him, you know, at least some say in personnel and, and some calls there, there's no reason he can't be successful on the football field. He's very good. Very, very good. And also, didn't they hire like a guy that he knows to be the GM too? Right? Yeah. Uh, it's uh basically the guy who's been the de facto GM for the or are you yeah. sorry, are you talking about Harbaugh or No, I'm talking about Quasi Adolfo Mensa, the yeah. new GM. He was like a, he was in San Francisco with Harbaugh, like they're yeah, he was their manager of football research and development, and he was their director of football research and development and on, under Harbaugh. So, or, you know, on, not under, because those are like not parallel jobs, but with Harbaugh. So, yeah. like, they have experience working together, which might be why Harbaugh is, uh, you know, entering the fray there. He might, that might be, that might be his guy. Well, that and um, at Michigan before last season, they basically um, had him take a cut uh, because he wasn't winning the way they wanted. And so I think he kind of put the whole put a good season together and went out on top as kind of a kind of a little bit of a middle finger because if there's anything we know about That's Harbaugh, he's very Jim pricey. Harbaugh. It's very Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh Harbaugh is a he he you gotta he you gotta Harbaugh get him things, mad. Man. You gotta get him mad. That's what he he loves. He's a quality football coach. I would be nervous about the Vikings if they had Jim Harbaugh because he will he will get the offense moving. Yeah, it's not a it's not a strong division, so he has a good shot at um, especially if, at especially if Roger if if Rogers and and Adams leave the Packers, that team is a wasteland. They will be it's so not, bad. So hey, it's good a thing they got their young quarterback, <laughs> Jordan Love, baby. <laughs> Watching Jordan Love play some snaps this year made me really question why they drafted Jordan Love and traded up for him. Um, yeah, with with Aaron Rodgers leaving though, it's like the quarterback carousel. You're like, ooh, where does Where's Rogers land? Is he going to Tampa Bay? I'd hate that. I think Denver seems like the spot that makes the most sense to me from a, from just like a personnel standpoint, he's landing in a spot that has premier wide receivers, right? They have a really good skill position players for him to throw to. It would easily be the best collection of skill position players he's ever had. Right. Fan would is a great tight end. They got Sutton and Judy. You've got, uh, Javante Williams in the backfield, who has the budding young running back superstar. Yeah, that would be a, a quite excellent landing spot. And then he just he says, before I sign this contract, you have to use every draft pick on offensive linemen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's if he says that, then I, I think they'll be fine. Kevin, what have you started else? digging into speaking of draft? Have you started digging into the draft at all? Uh, I've started to get into it a little bit. I should be able to start really diving in now that um, like people have had to finally declare. I uh, haven't because that was a really big problem I was having. Yeah, I have a more overall view, and that's that. Like, I think this draft might be kind of devoid of super, super, super duper stars. I don't know if there's like a superstar, the safety from Notre Dame, maybe, but like, there's not, there's yeah, not like Hamilton. a, there's not a lot of other guys I see like, oh man, that guy's an NFL superstar, and it's a lot of guys who I think are like pretty good. Which, as a Seahawks fan, I like to see <laughs> because. I do think it's kind of a deeper draft. Like there's a lot of players I would rate in the B range, like a lot more than usual. A lot Just of less, good day two guys. Less like A's and A pluses, which means like they're going to be guys that when we pick, when we start picking that are actually going to be pretty solid still. But there's just – and we're not going to be missing out on as much by not picking at what, – what do we have, 10? We gave up 10, right? Yeah. 
by not picking at 10, I just don't know if there was, there's not going to be a guy I think was an A left at 10. It's, it's, it's a really mediocre slash weak draft in my opinion. From the other top thing I think end, is there's a lot of like questions. Like is Kingsley uh, and Nagbury like all like notably that much worse than like Drake Jackson? Like are, are we sure about that? Or is um, Daniel Falele uh, like that big of a difference from um, like I don't know, like one of the uh, one of the higher offensive like uh, uh, Ikiakuanu. Like this seems like one of those ones where you're going to end up with people who are drafted at the beginning of the second round. Um, that people are like, oh man, this guy's like if we did a redraft, this would be a top ten pick. Like I, I think I could build like a legitimate argument that you should take Tyler Linderbaum like way like 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 third overall because at least you know you're getting someone who's like incredible at even though it's not a premium position at all like center does not matter but like that guy at least is super duper good whereas like you're right a lot of these guys just have huge question marks like a bunch a bunch of them just I don't know, just good things about them and bad things about them or like all and these wide like, receivers like garrett wilson and uh olave and james williams like just, can you eh. could, can you firmly tell me which one is going to be the best because I, th- I have a very strong feeling um that like one of the dudes drafted in the second round is going to be just as good as one of the dudes drafted in the top 15 if someone drafts garrett wilson to only play slot he will be extremely good right but if someone but drafts, he's only playing slot. but if someone <laughs> But if someone drafts him, and also you got you're drafting a slot receiver in the top ten, probably, which is pretty gross. You, you don't really. <laughs> that's the same as Linderbaum. It's like you really don't want to be drafting a center in the top ten. You really don't want to be drafting a slot receiver in the top ten. I mean, he will be really good at slot. Re- He's really good at creating separation in the slot. And I think it's like I'm gonna say this quiet because I don't want people to make fun of me. But I don't know about Aiden Hutchinson, dude. Like he's good, but like. He just seems like like a guy who's gonna do everything okay and get like get you like seven sacks a year and play solid run defense. And he could play on all three downs and like that's really valuable, but it's not like it's not like that. He's not like Joey Bosa. You know what I mean? He's not So you're saying he's Trey Hendrickson. Yeah, he's just he's all right. Like, yeah, he's Trey Hendrickson. That's exactly right. He's 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 fine. Like he's good, but he's not like he's not that good. <laughs> All right, I don't want to. I don't. People are going to kill me for that if he ends up being like the the, the best DE in in NFL history. But I just don't. He's like a clear number one for everyone, and I'm like, eh, yeah, he's good. And Edge is really important, so like, he's he, you should probably draft him. But ooh. I think there's a lot of questions for both him and Thibodeau. Like, oh, I Thibodeau think that's perfectly too. reasonable to have a lot of big questions. Like, yeah, Thibodeau is very unrefined. Uh, he could yep. be nothing. I think legitimately he could come to the NFL and it's like just doesn't work out. But he also could end up being super great. And I just don't. I'm going to admit I don't know. I need to watch more Thibodeau specifically. I've only watched a, like one game so far. And I thought he's a really good first step. Like that's inarguable. But the rest of it is argue. The rest of it after that, very arguable. Yeah, pro- progressively more arguable. Yes. <laughs> Um, so if you want to see me uh, try to break the uh, PFF draft algorithm by trading up, <laughs> trading up for the number one overall pick and then trading back 11 times to see if I can get 10 picks in the first three rounds, which I, I've done it, <laughs> uh, then then you can check it out on Discord. I'll, I'll post one of those every once in a while. They're fun. But mostly I've just been watching watching tape, grinding the tape because I don't watch as much college football during the season. So I got to start I got to start grinding the tape early and getting in there. 
but um, yeah, Kyle Hamilton, that's my that's my guy. That's that's the most in, impressive guy so far for me. He's so big, and the way he moves and the amount of area he can cover for a guy that big, like yeah, that guy, freak. he seems like a cheat code. And, His change of direction it, skills are pretty gross for a dude who's like six three six four and like he's like basically this he, is DK Metcalf uh, that. Uh, has embraced are, the three cone. People are saying he's going to measure 6'4", 220, which is huge for hmm. a guy that moves like he does. Now, if he can add even a little more weight and like then they can you can roll him down into like a robber roll and stuff, that'd be even more incredible. But even at the size he is now, you can he's so versatile and good. Yeah, I'm, I'm into Kyle Hamilton. That's my dude. That's my guy I think is like the best, the, the clearly the best guy in terms of like, I would be surprised if he sucks. Yeah. Otherwise, I think we have like a lot of like, I think cornerback is really deep. I think offensive tackle is really deep. I think edge is super deep. Like, here's the thing. Who's the who's the best cornerback in this draft? Maud Gardner? Uh, It's probably either like Derek Stingley or Trent Mc. Gardner, McDuffie, Stingley, but you see, we're already doing that. (laughs) And McCreary, like there's like six or seven guys that are all kind of the same. McCreary got a T-Rex arms, though. That's part of the problem. Well, there's six. Well, that doesn't matter to the Seahawks anymore. He'll be an all-pro <laughs> now. <laughs> but uh, but six or seven guys that are all kind of the same. And if one of them falls to us, like I would take. They're they're all kind of the same to me. I don't really. I'm not really crazy about any of them. But I'm not. I don't think any of them are bad either. Like I would, if if the Seahawks can get one of those guys, or there's a bunch of edges like this too, Kevin. Yeah. A bunch of edges who are either like a little undersized. That's what I'm saying. They, they ha- you have to take him off the field in rundowns and stuff like that. Or a guy who has, he's not really an elite athlete, but he could like, you know, he, he has good pass rush moves. Like there's just a bunch of guys like that that are going to get picked in the second round that I think if the Seahawks fall in love with one of them, I'd love to see us pick one of those. I'm ex- it's exciting draft if you're a Seahawks fan. And uh, we shouldn't talk too much draft because we do should talk about the Super Bowl. But Kevin, give me one more draft thing that you want to say before we go to Super Bowl. Uh yeah, um, I I really hope a lot of quarterbacks get picked at the end of the first and beginning of the second <laughs> round because oh, I don't man. think any of them are going to be particularly good. So it's wasted Ooh. draft picks that gives us better players. So okay, once again, we are we, wishing for lots of quarterbacks to go late round should, one, early round two. Should we do this? Uh, who, okay, Sam Howell is Sam Howell is um short, a uh, Brock Osweiler. Uh, uh, Sam Howell is uh, <laughs> if Daniel Jones had a bigger arm. Matt, Matt Corral is Drew Locke. Uh, Kenny Pickett Matt Corral is, is Mitch Trubisky we don't know more about. <laughs> Kenny Pickett is um, is like a, a better Chad Pennington. Like these guys are all bad. <laughs> like, uh, none of them are none of them are good. Kenny Kenny even... Pickett is uh, Chad Pennington with hands like an eleven year old. Car- Carson Strong is like Tom Brady, but he's dumb because <laughs> he's because he's slow. He's uh, slow actually, like uh, no Carson Strong. I heard a really good comp for him. Carson Strong is um, what was the uh, is if Ryan Mallett understood what touch was. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> thanks, thanks. I hate it. Carson Strong can't move. His nope. knee is his knee is broken. Like he's his knee is it. made of CJ Pro size. Oh, Malik Malik Willis is Malik Willis is like if Trey Lance uh was like even worse, like even less refined. Uh, nineteen turnover worth. He had nineteen turnover worthy plays. I was gonna say Malik Willis is what slightly racist people thought uh, uh Lamar Jackson was. 
Oh, there you go. <laughs> but budget Geno Smith. Okay. Anyway, Ooh, I'm done with it. Gross. Geno Smith is budget Geno Smith. Exactly. Um, All right. I'm done with this. Okay. Let's Super Bowl. Let's talk about this a little bit. Okay. So I want to talk about the two teams that are in the Super Bowl a little bit and kind of what makes them special and maybe what their their weaknesses are. So let's start with the let's start with the bad team. Let's start with the bad guys, the Rams. Okay. What makes the Rams special? Well, first of all, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback in football. Uh, Jalen Ramsey opens up a lot of space for the rest of the defense because you, they can put him on an island and trust him to mostly neutralize the opposing player. Now, this will be a little harder because he will probably be tasked with following around the electric rookie wide receiver, Jamar Chase, and that is tough, but he will do a good job. He's a really good football player. He's good enough to handle that. Uh, Jalen is good. Um, also the Rams defense, you know, we know all about Aaron Donald and when the Rams defense is playing Cincinnati's offense. I don't know if you guys know this, but Cincinnati's interior offensive line. Um, if is I had to describe, if I had to describe it, I, I was going to go tire fire, but like they, they were switching back and forth their guards in the last game because they were like trying to find a guy who was, they put in Jackson Carmen, which is, I just thought was so funny. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's Jackson Carmen. Like, I cannot believe this is happening right now. I scouted this guy and thought he's terrible. That is the (laughs) ultimate uh, NFL edition of rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. They were literally shuffling in and out ineffective interior offensive linemen. I can't, they, they spent like a second round pick on Jackson Carmen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. There's an article on the on the uh, I was looking up like Jackson Carmen information. And it was like seven players that the Bengals could have drafted instead of Jackson Carmen or something like that. It's like, ouch, we're in year two for this guy and we're already there. We're already at the please wish, wish we would have taken literally anyone else. So Aaron Donald's going to have a field day in this game. But the good thing about that for the Bengals is that Joe Burrow's been getting rid of the ball really quick. And so that should be it should be fine. And, they, and their wide they have, receiver should be good enough. They have the ability to to punish over pursuit, which has been a problem for the Rams in the past. So that might match up well on the defense. And on the offensive side of the football for the Rams, you know, the Odell Beckham thing has worked out super good. I think a lot of people were questioning, you know, where Odell Beckham was at. And I think a lot of people now looking at it would agree. Um, maybe the problem was not Odell, but instead maybe Odell Beckham's dad made that video and <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't as crazy as we he's, uh, he's one of the best football analysts we don't know about. We didn't know yeah. about. And now he made a si- sideways Instagram video. You had to turn your head sideways to watch it. But it's because it the man like, doesn't have editing software. Mean. I mean, he gave him some editing software and he's the next NFL films head honcho. No, man. Uh, th- I think the big thing is um, Cup can work the inside of the field, which means that you have somebody to kind of counter- counterbalance things for Odell Beckham Jr. And... Something broke in Baker Mayfield. He did not trust his arm um, even before the injury. And like Odell Beckham is a guy that you need to trust your arm and just know he's going to be there and throw it. And mm-hmm. Stafford is 100% willing to do a couple of reads. And he gets to the part where he's like, okay, Odell Beckham's my third read. I haven't even looked that way, but I'm just going to huck the ball as I turn in that direction because that, that's, that's how Stafford's always worked. Um, and it works out really well when the guy that you're just hucking the ball at is a really good wide receiver. Yeah. They, I feel like they, they really have found kind of uh, the right balance in offense. And then Cam Akers coming back from the injury, uh, Superman stuff coming back from an Achilles so quickly. And he looks like he has the juice. He looks like he is not any different than he was before he left. Really impressive stuff there. Uh, 
makes gives them another you know kind of dynamic on offense that they don't they didn't have as much with Darrell Henderson and especially Sonny Michelle. Yeah, they haven't been uh, running the ball super effectively, but that has a lot to do with blocking and the way they're being defended. Um, yeah. If a team chooses to run a light box, they can they can beat you up for it. Yeah, if the if the Bengals come in now on the Bengals side of the ball, the Bengals defense is all predicated on two um, one big thing really, and that's their safeties. Their safeties are quite excellent. Um, and then, so when, what I liked, what I liked about last week's game plan, okay, in the first half they played against Mahomes, you know, and they came out and they they tried to they tried to blitz and stuff to to create pressure, right? They tried to do extra stuff to create pressure, and then they weren't getting pre- the pressures home, and so they decided, you know what, fine, we'll just we'll just uh, instead what we'll do is we'll spy we'll spy Mahomes on every, like basically every play, we'll rotate a safety down into the box a lot, which they which is good because their safeties are good so if you move if you rotate a safety down to play robert and you leave jesse bates up top jesse bates can handle it he can play single high and, and do fine yeah so and then Von playing, Bell plays too high and robert roll both well yeah and so then then it, it they, they changed the look for mahomes completely in the second half from like mostly too high in the first half which is how people generally play the they generally play against uh, Mahomes, Mahomes gets sees a lot of two high safeties instead they they switched it up they played they played one high with a robber and it worked really good they they really kind of turned the the game around on mm-hmm. on defense and even though the pressure wasn't getting home it was getting uh, Mahomes kind of off his spots and we saw at the beginning of the season you sometimes Mahomes when he's off his spot can get rattled and in the second half of the season old Mahomes was back you know Trixie Mahomes where he where he <laughs> makes the one legged one legged all arm throw and stuff but but he he has games where if you knock him off his spot he's not quite as good as he normally is and I thought they did a good job. With that, and then the Bengals' offense. What I liked is they in the first half they ran on every first down. It looked like Pete Carroll was their coach. It was very annoying. I was getting super mad. I was like, "Why are they doing this? They need to do something else." In the second half, they replaced a lot of runs with screens to wide receivers and let the wide receiver run over a guy for five yards. Yep. Um, that forced Kansas City to play differently because at that point, all the, their safety started having to to focus on more things because if. If if Jamar Chase runs over a guy on the outside and the safety doesn't come help, uh, then that's a touchdown, right? Like that he is electric. So you have the safety has to come out. And Kansas City safeties aren't good enough to be like trying to do a bunch of extra stuff. So I really like how they exploited that. And I could see them doing I the thing I annoys me is out Zach Taylor, okay, is that he he does not adjust very well until halftime. And then he goes into halftime and he makes a good adjustment. And it's like in the Super Bowl, you cannot get buried by the Rams in the first half and then go come back and play a better second half. It's a dangerous game to play in a situation like that, especially because the halftime's so long, you, you know, you cool down, you might come out a little flat in the second half and you, you can't afford that if you're down 21, right? Yeah. They need to come in with a good game plan. I agree. Yeah. So I, I really need to see if the Cincinnati is going to win this game, they need to make sure they're not getting killed for the first half again. And then, and then they should be fine. And I, I really like, this matchup. I think it's a really fun matchup. Cincinnati is really up and down, but their skill position players are truly great. And uh, their defense has two safeties who are just playing at tippy top level. And when two safeties are really on like that, it it warps a defense. We've seen it with us, right? When, when we had Earl and Cam, you can, your defense can really just change around just two guys playing at, at the top level like that. And so I really like watching their defense. And I'm excited. Oh, and another thing is, every time Eric Weddle's on the field, Cincinnati has to throw at him. 
Like you have to go after that guy. He's like a thousand years old, and he, he hasn't was played retired for three... literally three seasons. Yeah, I was yeah. just saying, he hasn't played football in three <laughs> years. Like you, you have to, you have to attack that guy in every play. And Jimmy Garoppolo sucks too much to do that, but Joe Burrow doesn't. Okay, Joe Burrow, he needs to like analyze where is Weddle going to be on this play and attack that guy on every single play because there's no way that guy is still playing good. I just, I refuse to believe it. You can't sit out for three years, come cold off the street into the NFC Championship game and tell me that you're like ready to go. No, no freaking way. So yeah, every time that guy's on the field, they need to go after. I still don't understand why they brought him back. I don't. How many snaps did he play? They had nobody. I, yeah, they, they ran out. Of, they ran out of guys. There's somebody you can get though. There's no. somebody. I mean, a, th- a two or three year retired guy. That's crazy. Yes. What he, yes, he uh, he's 37 years old. Oh. He's not. It's not even like he retired and he he retired young or something. Like, no, he is no longer a Ute. He is uh, no longer spry. Yeah, he played. He played a ton. I don't know. You got to go after that guy. Eric like, Reed wasn't available. You got to make that guy like a, a point of emphasis. Like, hey, because you have the receivers too to attack that guy. It's not like San Francisco where they only have t- two guys worth worth their salt in the in the receiving and game. a quarterback that can't throw over the middle without throwing it into the chest of a linebacker. Right. You, you. They've got Joe Burrow. They've got all these receivers. Like, go after, go after those guys. Yeah, but yeah. like, have Boyd turn him around on a route. Have uh, like make him like make him chase down T Higgins. Make him run after uh. Uh, Jamar Chase, like um, even uh, uh, CJ Ozoma is like, he's not is he slow. Got, is his, is his injury good enough that he's going to be back? Ozoma? Um, he sprained his MCL, right? Like, so uh, in the conference championship game. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see. Yeah. So is that, so they, his, his, they labeled it encouraging. He left Sunday's victory over the Chiefs in yeah in the first half, which I thought was really bad too because of the way the Kansas City plays defense. Like attacking the tight ends is a good strategy. Yep. Um, but he said that he's gonna they're gonna they, they're thinking he might be ready for the Super Bowl. He's got to focus on getting right. Whatever. Oh my gosh, I hate this coach. It's Pete Carroll, <laughs> the ghost of Pete Carroll, is uh, haunting me. He's a he's now. got a, he's got a leg thing. All right, we'll have more to talk about this in the. In I the heard Weddle has an age thing, but uh. Eric, uh, everyone, we're all we're all all in on the Bengals, right? We're That's all right. Yes, Bengals fans forever. Exactly. All right, sweet. So the, the podcast is uh, sponsored by Skyline Chili in some ways. We're uh, oh yeah, on so the Bengals den. Skyline Skyline Joe Burrow. Yeah, that, that's what we came up with. We're the, looking for five. We'll we'll talk to you next week about the five ways to victory. That's right. My, <laughs> my brain working very poorly today, but let's go into the uh, the money zone here. For there are many ways to support the Seahawksness podcast. The best way to do so, head over to only12s.com and click anywhere on your screen. For as little as $1.24 a month, join the Discord. Talk to us during the Super Bowl. Talk to us during the Pro Bowl skills competition this Thursday. <laughs> Thank you to those people <laughs> who are supporting the show. Andy, Brett, do it all for the Tucci, Flocktimus, Greta, James, Joe, Carrie. Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Leon, Michelle, Mike, Michael, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Mikey, Warwolf, Brandon, Mickey, Brandon, Brandon, Nick, uh, and Blake from Washington Quest, Fish Quest. Check them out on YouTube, Washington Fish Quest. Okay, let's um, let's get into it. Today's movie club. So, okay, I went to. So, I a lot of times what I do to try to think of what movie club we're going to do is I go to Rotten Tomatoes. And I look at like what's coming out next week, and of course I see like oh yeah next week coming out we got we got Jackass the movie. But I was like Kevin not into those movies. Me and Eric like them. If you want to talk about Jackass movies, you can 
go go on the Discord and hit at Intangible Dandy at at me. Let me know uh, your favorite. I have to just uh, talk about the Action Park documentary shenan- for my part of it, but no shenan- shenanigans. <laughs> Uh, so then I was like, oh, there's a new Roland Emmerich movie. And then I was like, and then I was like, oh, then I was talking to Kevin. I was like, Kevin, we could do a Roland Emmerich eliminator. And Kevin goes, what? Like, so we would eliminate all the movies. And I was like, that's a fair, that's a fair point. These are all really bad movies. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, None of us will go to bat for Independence Day. And that's the only Roland Emmerich movie that people go to bat for. I will go to bat for Godzilla 1998. Uh, I will in- only go to bat for the scene where Jean Reno explains why he speaks with American accent when you choose gum. <laughs> okay, here's the thing about Godzilla 1998, okay? And, oh, no. Uh, and here's the thing. It is undoubtedly a bad movie. It is not good, but it is en- <laughs> it is enjoyably bad. <laughs> and the plot is nonsense. Um, it's 140 minutes long one thing i one thing i love about this movie is that they try to add like science into the movie but it's like (laughs) it's like doesn't make any sense now that is a roland emmerich thing if you notice in his movies he always backs it up scientifically to put it in a world of realism i have all these quotation marks as i'm talking by the way i wish you'd have done the happening it's it would have been entertaining it would have been a it would have been more fun a decent movie yeah yeah, I wouldn't he, go that far, but it would be more fun. I felt like I felt like Roland Emmerich is like, I understand disasters. I will fix Godzilla. And it's like, mm, does this guy doesn't it's like you need to ha- have Godzilla uh be a directed by a person who like understands like Godzilla, like h- how sweet Godzilla Not is. Not a fan of iguanas. Anyway, also there's a dude I mean Godzilla's played by a dude in a suit, so that that's that's all. That's the last thing I'll say about that movie. Okay, so we're not doing Godzilla 1998, unfortunately. Even though it's a, it's quite, quite a. Does Eric movie. have one he would like to push forth? Uh, no, 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 I, I, my favorite disaster movie, unfortunately, is not Roland Emmerich. So, I okay. Can't. So then Eric said, "Let's do, let's do Fay Five Disasters," and I was like, "That's, that's fine. We can do that." So, all right. So we're gonna talk. Uh, about I was ready our, to talk about Stargate and Universal yeah. Soldier. The the uh, the two best actually. But I haven't so, okay. seen them in forever. They're both fine. Yes, correct. No, Universal Soldier is pretty bad. It's fine though. It's I, I, mean, I, I, mean, love... I don't care enough to argue against you if you're going to do this. <laughs> it is. It is like okay. It's got Universal Jean-Claude Soldier Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. Universal and it's Soldier ten minutes is like if you edited together a bunch of action scenes from all different movies, and then like put a filter over it that turned the action stars into Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme with or something. futuristic like, monocles. It doesn't even look it. it, it, <laughs> it the movie has no continuity nope. at all. It's not even trying to No, it's, it's so bad, but it was when Jean-Claude Van Damme entered the world of sci-fi and it was a fine gift. Also, these right, kids in it. All right, Eric, I'm like, I'm like, you go first. What's your, what movie you putting in the Faye five disasters, the greatest of all time. And that is a somewhat local disaster movie. That is uh, extremely realistic and highly entertaining. Filmed uh, just over the mountains in Kellogg, Idaho. I'm putting Dante's Peak right, All right at the good top. One. I like it, Dante's Peak. So, how, oh, Kevin, man, I thought you were how long? Chronicle. How long has it been since you've seen Dante's Peak? You guys. Uh, last time I watched it was as a child in my living room with my parents. Oh, so when Kevin it, when Kevin looked at it and said, "Oh no, that looks terrible," as opposed to laughing at all the scenes. The the best part about this movie, I like movie, Remington Steel. Linda Hamilton. The second best part of this movie, 
Also Linda Hamilton. Like uh, the, I think the second best part of the movie is when the old lady jumps out of the boat in the molten boiling lake and she just goes, oh, 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 and somehow <laughs> makes it to shore. That's the second one, best thing about One thing movie. I think that's really cool about this movie is that all those SFX are miniatures and it looks really cool. And Linda Hamilton and Pierce Brosnan have like legitimate like co-star chemistry in this movie that I think makes the movie work when it probably shouldn't. It's like it had chemistry because let's face it, Pierce Brosnan had no reason to be in that movie except he's he's Remington Steel, and it somehow it worked for the ridiculous movie. I it's San Andreas, but like in 1997. That's the, that's my and in a bigger populated I, city like uh, I, Idaho. I like it. It's pretty pretty solid. All right, you ready for mine? You guys, yeah. Ready? 2013. This is the end. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, this movie. Of- this movie is super funny. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stump for comedies hard in this in this whole thing. Uh, but this movie makes me laugh uh, super hard. Um, I love all of the like weird, crazy cameos they got in this movie. Uh, Michael Sarah, Channing Tatum, like just like crazy stuff going on in this movie. And then uh, just the way that. Uh, Jay Barishaw and Seth Rogen interact in this movie just like the whole time just makes me laugh so hard. Like, oh, Jay, your your references are out of control, bro. Like, just like all that stuff is just hilarious. No, wait. Uh, and so. Kevin hasn't seen that, has he? Have I have not. Okay. Emma Watson. Great. Probably my favorite cameo in that movie. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's it's just an awesome movie. Uh, it's really fun. Kevin, I, you, would, you would very much enjoy it. I don't, don't go into it. Don't go into it trying to think too much. But uh, but. <laughs> It's definitely got uh, some great stuff in it. All right, Kevin, what's your what's your uh, disaster? I also um, went 2013. Um, oh. I also went comedy disaster movie. Nice, and yeah. that is 2013's The World's End. Nice, that, nice. You know, World's End was on my my short list of movies to try to convince you for the other two. So that's funny. All right, uh, yeah, this movie World's is, is delightful. Great. It rewards multiple watches because the first time you watch through, um, uh, Simon's. Peg's character, Gary King, is uh, uh, frustrating um, for the first half of the movie. And then there is a big plot thing that happens. <laughs> and the second half of the movie is incredible. And um, it's it's sort of like the movie's going along and it's Edgar Wright. So the sound's good and the editing's good and it's moving along at a pretty good pace. And then all of a sudden, it's like somebody uh, flips a switch and the stairs you are walking down suddenly turn into a slip and slide and you are hurtling towards the end of the movie. Um, That is where the disaster element of this movie comes in. And when you go back and watch it the second time, you notice a lot of very clever things being done to set up the second half of the movie. And it goes up in my estimation on a second and third watch considerably. And I already enjoyed it to begin with. All right, I have I have like three suggestions for the for the other two. Do you guys want to hear them? Oh yeah, and then you guys okay. can add add to this list. Uh, Twenty eight days later, okay. I think it's like uh, the best like uh, disaster end of the world uh, zombie thing that at least had come out recently. Uh, Contagion, two thousand eleven. Oh, that was um, on my list. Too. Very very seriously uh, looked at, kind of something that you know if, if uh, we could we could go through in the near future. We've seen kind of traces of this and then a Cloverfield. Um, mm-hmm. I think that Cloverfield is a really like uh, cool uh, 
disaster film. I like. I just think it's, it's cool. Probably the way that, one of the best kaiju films, and it's done in a unique way. It I is. think it's like it, it. A lot of times, found footage lowers the the enjoyment of the movie for me, and this one is one of the rare movies and that like kind of it raised the level of the movie. So that's kind of those are the three that I had in mind. Did you guys have uh, some stuff you want to talk about? Uh, How about you want to talk about Twister? <laughs> uh just the cow um the, all right the, i uh, feel like having a zombie in movie. movie in here right I, I feel like having a zombie movie and a kaiju movie in here probably makes a lot of sense um cloverfield i'm good with the kaiju uh i also think um the more recent uh like i could see going with uh kong skull island godzilla 1998 <laughs> no. I, um, I wouldn't put Kong in there uh, only because that's a monster movie. It's not, it's, it's not. Disaster. I agree. It's, it's so I, then mean, I, I think Cloverfield. I do feel like, I do feel like Cloverfield has disaster vibes. Yes. In my, the, the, and part of the thing I tried to do here with the movies I picked is I wanted disaster vibes, like end of the world or like, uh, just like cities getting destroyed kind of stuff. And that's kind of why I went with 28 days later over other particular zombie movies, because that scene where he rolls out of the hospital and he's carrying the plastic bag is like, and and there's just garbage all over the ground and the city's completely empty. empty yeah. And, and it, it's like one, it's really just like kind of jarring to watch. And the other thing is, is it really gives me those like disaster end of the world vibes. And the movie I would put up against that would be train to Busan. I, um, 2016 I like uh, South Korean movie where it's again kind of the same thing where the only difference is 28 days later uh, he wakes up from the coma at the beginning of the movie and things have already fallen into disarray uh, Train to Busan has the um, disaster movie feel where you are watching the disarray begin and you are watching kind of society crumble as the movie goes along can I throw a curveball in here? Sure. you've seen the Mitchells versus the Machines? I have not <laughs> I have not seen that you yet. Seen it? No, oh, it's man. on my list. You, I had no this interest a, until you said how how much you it's a dope. It. It's actually like a dope end of the world movie, like robot apocalypse. Uh, it's funny. It's really funny. And um, yeah, Eric Andre plays uh, like the um, like the main like uh, inventor <laughs> guy. And I don't know. I just I think the whole thing is like, like Eric Andre. Super, super funny. Olivia Coleman, Danny McBride. Like, there's so many good. Um, going back to in this. going back to Kevin's list real quick. Um, I like Cloverfield enough to put it as a disaster movie. As far as kaiju light or kaiju movies, I like Pacific Rim better, but I think Cloverfield is a better film and more Although, of a disaster movie. More I of a disaster so. movie. Just Pacific Rim was. I mean, if we're rating kaiju movies, I had so much fun. I, I enjoyed that movie, movie so much. But um, what about um, what about like Children of Men? That's up there. Try, I just trying to try to th- try to throw an more excellent f- movie, but I don't feel like it more fits into what this. I'm thinking of for the, for like a disaster it's movie. Specifically. Definitely end of the world. What about Wally? No, no, because it's that's like post. It's like okay. What about Idiocracy? Quiet, Quiet Place. No, these are. These are... Uh, I I would rather keep Cloverfield for that over a Quiet Place. I'd rather have Trade to Be Sought over a Quiet Place. Well, I think we should only have one zombie movie, though. And 28 Days Later and, and Train to Busan, I really don't know which one I'd pick. They're both really good movies. They're both really I, good. 
I think like so. Are we putting Cloverfield in, and we're deciding on the last spot? I think we have two spots, don't we? No, Would you rather we have, one have spot. what? Which movie do you Cloverfield or Ten Cloverfield Lane? Uh, I like Ten Cloverfield Lane way better, and that was uh, significantly less monstery. Eh, not less. So, if, so, so does that is that make it a worse disaster movie though? Or is I that would go with it, no. Cloverfield as a disaster movie personally. I feel like they're both the they're both disasters, right? Because like yeah, Ten be, Cloverfield Lane, like we got the disaster happening, then they lock themselves in. The, yeah, uh, so like it already happened and it's underground. I I agree with Kevin there. Like <laughs> disaster, it's our it's our new adjective. Um, yeah, yeah. Cloverfield is is the the first one is much more disastery. What about airplane? No. <laughs> <laughs> also none of the airport movies those movies are boring as hell not titanic obviously titanic uh we're out on also that. the ending's just so sad well we just yeah we don't want we to saw that coming. cry so okay i think okay so Cont- contagion 28 days later and uh train to busan are all trying to fill this same lane I, of like a of like a sickness disaster i like yep. contagion Which, but i think contagion's out for me i think contagion's out because as we've seen over the last couple of years it's far too optimistic on how That's... people act <laughs> <laughs> not real not realistic not enough. realistic kevin, enough it takes kevin doesn't want a satire kevin doesn't want a hey, satire on the list hey uh eric i really need you to talk about deep impact for for one minute right now go <laughs> you can't well, without blushing I can't without bringing in Armageddon. I mean, these are these are just stellar <laughs> films. Can we make this a top ten? Deep Impact. <laughs> Deep. Armageddon uh, well, should be on the list because Bruce Willis, Die Hard. Uh, okay, my minute's up. <laughs> I, I uh, when Ben Affleck's crying because Bruce Willis is tired. I can't take it anymore. What about the um... wrong asteroid favorite? <laughs> what about the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds movie? No, I'm just. I how like about, that movie. That about, movie's good, but it's nowhere near like how about I, the I, original I reading by Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah, about the radio show. Um. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to bring up as many movies as I could so that people would have something to talk about in the Discord. Let's now make our 28 Days Later Train to Busan final decision here. Um, okay, uh, I will say I think both of these are stellar zombie movies and stellar movies overall. Um, my argument for Train to Busan is the same argument uh, that I made for Cloverfield, which is I feel like it shows more of the disaster. And if I'm making a list for disaster movies, that is what I'd probably hang on Train to Busan. Okay. Eric, what do you think? If I'm breaking the tie here, because you both suggested it, if I'm going in a like better movie, oh, geez, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm, I'm right. I'm right here with Kevin. The, it is more disastery, right. and we're going disastery, and that sucks because twenty days later might be a I don't know I I keep saying it's I may like it better than Train to Busan, but no, it's they're neck and neck, and they're two totally different movies. Which is we'll save this for the zombie eliminator. I mean, <laughs> twenty eight days later is singularly the reason why we got so many zombie movies. In, oh yeah, since the year two thousand. Oh yeah, like, it was that very movie, influential. That movie revived zombie movies were dead. Nobody wanted to see zombie movies anymore. Ironic. And, and, to, <laughs> and they rose from the dead, ready for brains. Uh, November, June 27th, 2003. Uh, but seriously, this movie brought zombies back. And then after that, we had, you know, the Dawn of the Dead remake. And we got Shaun of the Dead. And then uh, Dead Snow, Zombieland, World War Z. A Pride bunch of Pride, really bad body, zombie movies, but a lot of really good dead. ones. But we got like, you know, yeah, real mixed bag. A like few a real great mixed seasons bag of The Walking Dead. 
the walking dead started out really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm sure that's it's some up there are parts of it that are good too, but I just like had to give up after a while. <laughs> it just, it just became too much of a commitment. You were the me. cast member like, that just died. You're like, okay, well I died now. I mean, they're on season 11. They put the show on hiatus though. Like it's, uh, it's now officially, well, they film in, in Georgia and that's like, uh, you know, it's the South and COVID and they just can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's our final, our five is a, uh, sorry, train to Busan, uh, uh Cloverfield. So in 1990, <laughs> Cloverfield, <laughs> Dante's peak. This is the end. And, uh, one more, Kevin was your, uh, the world's end. All right. So tell us your favorite disaster movies. Uh, maybe you were into the natural disasters. You like the day after tomorrow or you love Deepwater Horizon. You want to see Mark Wahlberg fight an oil spill. So for Kevin, <laughs> for Eric, we will see you all next week. Go Hawks. It's-